0: A three on most mini golf holes isn't a huge success, but we're on the third episode of our podcast and feeling good time to tee up another episode of podcast. The two of us have been down the mini golf rabbit holes for quite a few years and finally met in person while we're each individually competing on season one of Holy Moly just about two years ago now. I'm Tom, and I go by the name Mr. T, combined with my wife, the pink putter, or a couple of putts. We build, design, and consult on mini golf projects across the world. We document our multitude of adventures, playing courses, spanning the globe, along with our mini golf creations over at a acoupleofputts.com, and on social media, at putts.
1: And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the putting penguin. I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the US season two, of Holy Moly, along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Due to the wonders of technology, we're here to start the run of this podcast, recapping the Australian Holy Moly Season 1, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. The two of us have first-hand experience on the course at Holy Moly during both
0: Seasons 1 and 2 in the United States. We know the intense pressure of sitting around for hours, waiting to putt on a single hole with high stakes where you lose you go home during the middle of the night in front of more cameras on a single hole than i've ever seen in one place oh yeah there's also a live audience and the knowledge that whatever is going to be playing on that hole will be seen in front of
1: an audience of a million or so people no big deal right <laughs> none at all some general notes on our show we'll be spoiling the episodes but honestly what are you doing listening to our recaps if you haven't seen the show or don't want to know the winners We'll also be referencing the U.S. versions of the show for context and continuity, and our goal will be to keep the recaps brief. So if you're looking for more visual stimulus, check out Mini on the socials, where we'll share additional aspects of the show. Slowly but surely, we're dialing in our audio game.
0: Keep giving us your grace on the audio end of things and we will greatly appreciate it. Also, if we sound exhausted, it's not just the dead of winter where we live, which is the case, and it's been a little bit below zero for us up in Minnesota for the last two weeks, so my apologies if we're sounding a little exhausted, but the pace of the episodes coming out in the first season of Australia of Holy Moly is also pretty bonkers. The first episode was February 1st, and we have 13 episodes that will be aired by February 23rd. This is a very different pace than the United States. We're gonna take our time talking through each episode and making sure we give the show and all the competitors a little bit more breathing room as we recap the whole season, and then we'll get into our normal mini golf chatter.
1: So some general notes on the Aussie version of the show before we dive into the recap. There's eight competitors who will go head to head in a bracket one hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. The distractor will serve as a redemption hole, which will give us three players in the final. The winner takes home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at a super final for $100,000 Aussie, which is about $76,000 here in the U.S. And that's compared to the 250 dollars our U.S. competitors played for on the last season of Holy Moly. So don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, let's hold it to Holy Moly Scramble Time and our recap of the matchups, which I'll start us off with hole number one in Volcano. So Polcano, very quickly, is a simple combination of hitting the ball up and having it come down a Plinko style to various different landing spots on the green, and then you throw yourself down a zip line and try to hang on to a padded telephone pole, which will be the major challenge for our competitors. This episode, we saw Joel, who's a 31-year-old concreter, and who may or may not have been chosen just so we could say, Joel versus the Volcano. He has the distinction of being a left-handed putter, which we actually don't see a lot on any of the seasons of Holy Moly so far, and it'll come into play quite often as Regal fixates him throughout the episode. He's up against Gavin, a 33-year-old bodybuilder who very nicely is using his grandpa's putter. He has our second fairly revealing outfit of the season, and um, we will leave it at that. Gavin goes up first, and his ball ends up in the Hazard. He makes a pretty decent attempt at the hole, but ends up in the drink, kind of knocking his head on the way down. It's clearly a little chilly there, as Mr. Riggle will give us some Morse code being done in Gavin's nipple signaling, which is a sight to see, and I really hope that you get a chance to see it versus us just trying to describe it. Up next is Joel, and he gets the pole position through the Plinko, the first one to do it on this season of Holy Moly. I would say he overcome what is kind of a disadvantage of being left-handed on that hole given the way the angles are set up, which is good for him. What was not good for him was his pseudo side grab of the pole, which wasn't going to win him (laughs) anything on the way down. So now they're both sitting on their third putt. It's a fairly simple ending to this. Gavin, potentially because he's so wonderfully muscled, blows his second shot way too far past the hole. And Joel, our man versus the volcano, gets a second putt, and he's on to the next round.
0: I'll be curious to watch the intro to the volcano throughout the season and see who's going to be putting in the intro. There's always a little bit of Easter eggs in there. I'm not sure if it's like stunt people or something else, but... We'll keep an eye on that. I did notice there's a person playing in the intro that hasn't been on an episode yet, but let's jump over to Slip and Putt, which I believe has been on both previous episodes that we've recapped so far. Seems to be a favorite of this season. We have Bree, works in a mini golf business of some kind, and has tattoos, piercings, and lucky underwear. Not really sure why they focused on the tattoos and piercings, given in this day and age, it's not really that weird. It's not like the 1980s, where that was like a little bit more taboo, but It is what it is. Michelle, for the last 20 years, has been an Australian rules football coach and likes golf as well. Uh, Coach Cowan is going up against Bree, and on their run-up, they just both slip and slide on the lube, trying to get up the hill. Michelle eventually gets up first and helps up Bree, who had some really bad falls. Hugs were shared by the competitors after they got up, and I really love seeing those little acts of camaraderie between the competitors. We both know the unique bond you share with your competitors in that setting on Holy Moly. And so we always like really seeing that. For those who are watching Brie and Michelle run up and pretty much all of the other episodes, you'll notice that the ropes on their first run up are kind of back a little bit. And then all of a sudden, after a few runs and they're eating it, they're down. My guess is that they're putting those ropes down after they fail for a while and then capture all the video that they really need for Riggle and Shervo to make a little bit of fun of them. And then you know, give them the chance to get up there with the rope. I was glad to see them helping each other. Bree gets down in the B position off that little angle in one, hits it past Paul R. Polar Bear, and Michelle gets down there in one as well. Unfortunately, Brie had a really bad angle bounce off the side wall. She was sitting about 12 feet out from the hole, missed it just by a little bit. Michelle taps it in on her first attempt down on the turf at the bottom. And she's moving on. This
1: brings us to the third hole of the episode and Putt the Plank, which we're seeing again this season after its introduction in the first episode. We get a pretty funny deadpan interview with our John Lovett stand-in Dead Dicko here to set up the hole. And for those of you who haven't watched it, there's a putt-off beforehand, and then the winner gets Dead Eye Dicko chipping the ball over the water with one eye patch. The loser of the putt-off gets Dead Eye Dicko. Chipping it over with two eye patches. And from there, it's a putting extravaganza depending on where their ball ended up. So this episode, we see Jason, who's uh, 50 years old. He can play lefty or righty, which is kind of interesting. And goes by the moniker Mr. Mysterious. He's up against Drea, who's a 32-year-old fitness model with self-proclaimed resting bitch face. I love to say... She doesn't have resting bish face. She's actually a very beautiful woman. Drea is the one who wins the off-screen putt off, so she gets Deadeye Dicko and the one eye patch chip. She got a really good bounce off the back wall and ended up with about a playable six or seven foot putt off to the left of the hole as we're looking at it from the viewing audience. Jason gets the two eye patches, but actually ends up with pretty much the same lie and in a, probably six inches closer. Then it's on to the harder part. After the, t- the chipping, both of them have to try to jump on a shark and ride it around the lagoon. Drea goes up first and absolutely face plants in, right into the side of the shark. Jason, not one to be one-upped, was a little bit late in his launching, kind of kicked his foot out and had no chance of riding the shark, which is aptly named Greg. So now they're both over, soaking wet, ready to putt over. Drea just leaves hers just to the left of the cup for a tap-in. Meanwhile, Jason, getting to watch how her putt rolled, drains his putt, and he's on to the next round.
0: And the next hole that we are going to take a look at is Barbecue, which might have the best putting of the season so far. And that's even with us maybe having seen a few episodes past this episode that we're recapping. On Barbecue, we have Georgie versus Simon. Simon is a three-time golf champ and Question mark, Prince? Not really sure where the Prince came in, but he's a Prince, so cool. And then we had him going as Georgie, who is a mother that has at least 60 plus outfits to wear throughout the month of December that are holiday themed. It's pretty wild. She's wearing one on this hole and she does win it. So you get to see more of them, but her first putt was pretty solid. She gets it over and is a little off to the side. But before her, Simon went, and almost ace this hole. He hit it over the spinning channel that is a stand-in for the uh, barbecue spinner and just barely misses the cup and has a nice second shot once he gets over. But both of them, before we talk about their putts on the other side, they both attempt to get over our spinning snag per sausage. Prawn and corn both fall in to the charcoals after a valiant attempt. We get over there, Simon tries to get in on two, but does keep it up on top of the picnic blanket on the plateau, which in itself, we've seen this season, that's not a really easy putt to make. He probably had to hit it 10 feet uphill and then get it to sit on about a six-foot platform. That left Georgie putting for two on the or on her second putt on the other side. She got a penalty stroke for falling in. She makes it. She's probably 10 feet out, has to go uphill right into the cup. Your Christmas cracker, self-proclaimed, wins on barbecue with maybe the best part of the season and as a heads up this hole will be featured on design time a little bit later we're going over to dragon's breath and it's the first time seeing this hole on the australian holy moly this was a staple of holy moly in the united states we had two guests on our previous talk show both david kunvirak and aaron kaminsky of o street mini golf who played this hole and shared with us their experiences of playing this really cool show where you get lit on fire while you're trying to putt by four dragons setting you on fire. Interesting thing for those of you that haven't seen this or watched it from the States, they put on a Beavis and Butthead style warning on the screen talking about that this was observed by stunt people, which is really weird that they did not put that on During the United States, there'll be some other things that I'll talk about in this hole when we get to a design time in a future episode that I think are a little bit interesting. But Jason, our Mr. Mysterious, takes three putts to get it over to the other side of the drawbridge that he has to hit through to get towards the cup on Dragon's Breath. Michelle, on the other hand, our Australian League's football coach, first putt right down the middle, leaves herself probably still another seven or eight foot putt. They get over the other side in style. Both of them are strutting their stuff as they're on fire. Michelle gets close on her second putt, hits it in three. Jason doesn't get another shot over there because he spent too many putts getting there, unfortunately. He's gonna move to the distractor duel. Michelle, our Australian League football coach, is moving to the finale of the episode.
1: All right. And before we get to our sixth hole, I will have to say it was interesting that Dragon's Breath was the one they chose to put the disclaimer of not trying this one at home compared to all of the other potential things that we do. So Australia, I don't know what you're doing, that you're setting yourself on fire or the people who run the show think you're going to set yourself on fire, but potentially check yourself and try to do one of the other ones at home. Yeah. I mean,
0: If you just want to hang out in your like bathroom, you know, stall and like kick open the doors while people go by. I guess that's cool in Australia. Go for it, everybody.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Or like try to jump on a shark. Apparently that's completely okay. (laughs) And speaking of bathroom doors, we're on to hole number two, where we see Joel, our Pocano winner, and Georgie, our barbecue winner, going up against this incredibly simple and very entertaining hole. Put it past the bathrooms. Try to run past the bathrooms before the door opens and somebody knocks you in the water. So our friend, who's now been called Average Joel, although still should go with Joel versus the volcano, he has a really great roll on his putt, leaving his putt about six foot short of the cup. Tries to get past the porta potties or the loos or the dunnies, whatever you want to call them, and fittingly, the kangaroo in the second to last door nails him and drops him into the water. Georgie also has a really good first putt, almost getting the ace. And one of the things I noticed watching her ball was how much it moved on the greens back and forth from the point where she putted all the way down to the cup. Again, didn't make it, so she's got to try to go past the porta potties and also got whaled by the kangaroo. So a very Australian symbolic episode here with kangaroos dumping them into the water. So both of them line up their second putts, and actually both nail them. So we're on to a putt-off, which we've seen a lot of so far this season. Joel sets up first, gets his putt. That leaves Georgie our Christmas cracker, ready to try to match him, and she leaves it just short. A very dramatic finish to this hole. Unfortunately, that leaves Georgie having to go to the distractor. And now we're on to dissecting the distractor with the putting penguin. So this episode, we see Jason, who just lost on Dragon's Breath, versus Georgie, who just lost on hole number two. And as they stand there waiting for the wall to turn around, we're left wondering, what is this week's distraction going to be? It's Carnival! Unfortunately, not a Velociraptor holding a Roman candle, which was Riggle's particular like this week. And I think he snuck in a bear reference in there, if I wasn't mistaken, which is his running gag. And so I'm on the lookout for it often. So we have some really good dancing going on, some music, good-looking ladies. Got to putt through everybody to get to the hole. And Jason goes up first, runs his right past the cup. Which That's fine. Don't leave it short on national television. Georgie on her third Christmas outfit of the night goes past the other side of the cup. So now the drama continues on. This time we see Jason hit his second putt to go in. Georgie is unable to match, which means Jason gets to be our third finalist of the night. Now stepping back and taking a look at the distraction. I actually really like this one this episode. I gave it 4 out of 5 fish. It's high energy, a lot of movement, a lot of music. You got good-looking people who grab your attention also makes it kind of embarrassing if you're caught ogling them on national television Riggle had no problem busting jason's uh conads for that a little bit as the show went on and i just feel like that's the type of distraction that will really get into your head because it takes you away from focusing on the putting it's enjoyable it's not too over the top it was fun to watch and so that's why i gave it four out of five fish this week fantastic and we're on to our finale
0: coach michelle Mr. Mysterious Jason, an average Joel from the volcano, playing on putter ducky. Hit the ball past the ducks on a strip of turf and then avoid getting knocked in by these huge inflatable ducks. There's a ramp on the other side of that strip of turf and a downhill to it. And then an, a, a little slant where the ball can come towards the cup. And it's one that in the United States, people have aced. Our first putter, Jason, gets two feet from the cup. Our third putter... Michelle gets even closer. So they're both really, really, really darn close to the cup, and they're going to get a two no matter what. But both of them get knocked off by the Ducks, so they're going to be sitting at three. Joel, our lefty, hits it off the right side and behind the ramp and sets up an awful series of putts that ends up with him with a five. So you have a one-foot putt by each of Michelle and Jason to finish it off. We go to a putt off. Jason misses, Michelle's in, yells girl power. We have our winner of the episode, which is Michelle Cowan, the Australian Rules football coach, a wonderful winner, a great end to the episode with a little bit of drama. I do wonder if that putt off went more than two putts. They looked pretty exhausted when they were at the end, but I'm really excited about this winner. Michelle had a really great attitude throughout the whole thing. And we're on to the uh, having our third episode winner go on to the finale and to play for $100,000. And following that, now we jump into design time with Mr. T. And that's me. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about barbecue. And this whole design comes from season two of Holy Moly in the United States. It was called buns and wieners, but because Australians are known for saying, put the shrimp on the barbie, it's called barbecue. Makes sense. The front half of the hole has two huge condiment containers. The one that is the same on both the United States and Australia is the mustard, but in Australia they have the tomato sauce versus the ketchup. Small difference, but a little one. When I saw this on set, actually, on season two, going out to watch some matches, it reminded me, actually, of a hole I worked on with a few other artists in Minnesota for the Walker Art Center four to five years ago called Let's Be Frank that had a hot dog on it, because, of course, you're going to call it Let's Be Frank played very differently. On one half of the area over the barbie, you have rotating food that has a snag, which is Australian for sausage. You have corn and you have a prawn, United States version. You just had wieners on it. I really like the difference of the types of food that people can jump on. No one's gotten over yet so far, so I don't know which one is a better thing to grab onto. I'm not sure if there's anything slick on them either. But then on the other side of it, you have the spinning chuck, which is like a spinning chicken, and there's a channel on the other side of it that you hit the ball over. As I mentioned earlier, on the other side, there is like a knife edge that you can play an angle off of, as well as a fork that's into the turf that you have to bounce the ball off of the knife edge after you hit it through the channel between the fork and then up onto a plateau that looks like a picnic table with red and white checkers to get the ball in the cup. It's a really, really challenging mini golf hole as it is. And just having that plateau is a really, really cool mini golf kind of nod because there's so many holes that both of us have played on courses where they have that little plateau that you have to either get the ball and set it up or just try to get it right in the hole. Another interesting difference that they've added in on barbecue that I'm really liking is in the United States version, they just had these Gym mats that people fell into. And in the Australian episode, they have all of these like foam bricks that are like black and red and they kind of look like charcoal. And having that under the spinning food, I think it's just like one of those little extra details that, again, they added in the Australian episode. That's one of those things with any designer. You try something, you look at it, see how it is on TV, see how it plays, and you iterate on it. And I feel like this is a much better version of Buns and Wieners. I'm a really big fan of barbecue. I think the putting on it's really challenging. And like I said, I'll be really, really shocked if anybody does better than a two throughout the rest of the season. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of this hole as the season goes along. If you're following us on social media, we're going to try to share out photos of these holes. So even if you're not able to watch it and you're somewhere in the world where you're not able to stream it or have someone that's sending you you know, links to see some of the holes, or if you have a VPN, if you don't have any of that, don't worry. We're going to help you out. That's design time with Mr. P with that's design time with Mr. T on barbecue, not Mr. P because barbecue starts with P and that's that.
1: All right. Now we're on to some of what we like to call wriggle roast or best bits of the episode. Um, I'm going to start off right off the top, and I forgot about this when I was recapping Hole One. I'm a sucker for all things astronaut related and space, and starting this episode off with the moon landing, I thought it was really funny, referencing that it was humanity's greatest achievement until holy moly. I can't say I disagree. Also, would just like to point out that, like the moon landing, holy moly is not fake. <laughs>
0: Good call. I was trying to think of all the wriggle bits in this episode, and the one that made me genuinely laugh was where they were talking about Christmas, and then he talked about his best Christmas involved being chased by wolves. He said, it turned out to be a really great one, and that was part of it, and it was just like, wait, what? It, but it was it just landed well, and I obviously don't have the same delivery. I have more of a Shervo delivery. So um, that was the line I liked this episode. It was a little light on the wriggle, but it was still fantastic, as always, our best mini golf presenter.
1: Thought thought uh, Greg Norman got a good shot in on Riggle too when talking about his inspiration for hole number two being Rob Riggle's comedy. hey Okay. And now on to
0: Would You Rather? And this time I'm going to be asking Pat a Would You Rather? And this isn't like, you know, last time was like pickle juice or volcano. This time it's a little bit more strategic and it's about mini golf. So to save yourself a stroke on holy moly, would you rather have to jump on the shark or try to sneak past the ducks on putter ducky? Two things that are incredibly difficult and have only been accomplished once this year.
1: Ooh, this is a good one. I would have to go trying to jump the shark. I feel like you're just going to have to go and throw yourself out there. It just feels like it'd be more fun than getting hammered by a giant rubber ducky into the bubble bath. Um, Yeah, I'm going with shark this time. As much as I don't ever really want to play that hole it is on my least favorite list of things, I would uh, definitely play it over putter ducky.
0: I'd have to agree. I think jumping the shark is definitely doable. I think having some practice
1: on it In advance would be helpful, but I think putter ducky is just way harder. And now for some news of the mini golf world. I'm going to start off with some recently announced tournament news from the World Mini Golf Sport Federation, WMF, which is the umbrella organization of competitive mini golf around the world. This week, they announced the International Mini Golf Speed Championships, which are going to be held June 1st to 6th in Italy as part of the CSIT World Sport Games. So as the name implies, this is a fast version of mini golf. So golf and mini golf is often known as a slower game. And we've seen that not only on courses playing publicly, but I've seen that many times in tournaments. And in this case is gonna be the exact opposite. There'll be three disciplines on a 12 hole course that competitors will play in a head to head matchup. So the first is you'll get a chance to hit your most aces in a minute on each hole, and then you can move on to the next hole. Most aces at the end of the particular round will move on. The second discipline is what's known as a chase. So you have a player start on hole one and the player start on hole seven. They can only move to the next hole if they get an ace. And the winner will be the first person to lap the other person. Finally will be the 120 second challenge. For over the 12 holes, you get 120 seconds, which is 10 seconds per hole. You get one shot each and aces only count. So the person with the most aces at the end of the time is going to be the winner of that round. Some pretty cool ways to play mini golf. And although I'm not going to be playing in this tournament personally, I may take some of these ideas back to my local mini golf course. Sweet. Uh, In some other news
0: from the mini golf world, Smithsonian Magazine Online has a really nice piece on the history of the original Tom Thumb mini golf courses of yesteryear. Give it a gander. It's, uh, It's a really nice piece on a history in mini golf. And if you're not up for reading, check out O Street Mini Golf's YouTube channel. They highlighted the new crazy or angry crazy birds, the new angry birds themed course at American Dream Mall in New Jersey. And there's also a new match up on O Street's channel between myself and El Presidente Aaron Kaminsky after his filming of season two of Holy Moly over at one of my favorite courses, Golf and Stuff. And it was right after that season was filmed and the last time that I've played mini golf without being very well aware that COVID is a thing. So check that out. We're going to wrap up the show with a big thoughts, mini golf. And my big thought is when you're feeling competitive on a mini golf course, remember that if the ball rolls back down from the clown's mouth, just because you left it short, just means the ball gets to go on another adventure. If you allow yourself to escape into the goofier elements of the game, you'll always feel like a winner.
1: With that said, my last thought for this episode is, the obstacle isn't always the best path to the hole, even if it is the most fun one. And with that, until next time, putt one ready.